Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Don't skip your life. You better create your life. <laughs> create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. So happy to be here with you. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful Sunday, you know. Uh, just you know, happy and humbled. Uh, man, how is everybody's summers going? And you know, how are things uh, rocking out for you? Realistically, or more definitively, how are your goals going for the summer? You know, or have they halted because you're seeking fun? You know, uh, listen up, Create Your Life Series family. I'm going to tell you something that's going to help you. And, uh, you know, you can work towards your goals and have fun in the process of achieving them. I know it sounds gimmicky, but it's absolutely true. Absolutely true. And, you know, while it's good to vacate uh, our daily routines and chase all the fun that the summer has to offer, especially in New York City, because it's such a short period of time. Um, you know, we got to find a way to incorporate fun into the process of going after your goals. And as you know, I am doing my 30 day goals challenge right now and actually have three more days left. And I can personally attest to the reality and the fact that, man, we are I have had been stretched uh, to new levels, you know, as far as submitting proposals and really making sure that I'm getting daily touches. And actually one of my other something specific on my goals challenge was to listen to at least 30 podcasts or uh, YouTube videos that were in my industry. And I achieving that has just started a trend and actually taken my mind to another level. So I definitely want you to know that. And I've been able to achieve all of this because of my uh, accountability partner, you know, and we've just been working together and keeping each other uh, accountable, you know, but even uh, pushing the envelope, I found ways to pursue having fun as well. You know, I've gone to Google trainings and leaderships and informational program sessions where I, I've made friends and, you know, have found uh, guests for the show as well. You know, and this is even with the presenters and just other people. We went out and hung out after the, uh, the programs, you know, had meals. And last weekend, I even gave a speech in the Hamptons uh, for the United Negro College Fund our fundraising benefit. And actually there I did cut open my hand, uh, my, my pinky finger on my left hand. So I cut that open and uh, spent a few hours in urgent care. No, in the ER, as a matter of fact, ran out with uh, four stitches, but made it back in time to really uh, make sure that I could deliver a message and actually help them raise um, over $20,000. So definitely happy uh, to be able to contribute like that. And so I would say the moral of the story is, is that, you know, I kept rolling. So we have to keep moving and uh, keep mixing, you know, our goals uh, with our passion as well as mixing some fun in there so that we can sustain, you know, and this is all happening while we're doing summer fun. So it's very, very important. And I have to admit that it's, it's working. And of course, you know, one of our models is don't abandon your dreams. Uh, don't abandon our dreams, you know what I mean? Chasing good times. Incorporate it all, you know, that, that work-life passion fun integration is what we're going for. And uh, I also want to tell you that I am honored because this year I was actually selected as one of the Black Enterprise 100 
uh, modern men of distinction. And so that's a very humbling honor that I'm happy to have had. And, man, you know, if you want to uh, read the article, then you can go to our Instagram page, um, CYL series or at Kevin Y. Brown, and you can go ahead and read the article there. But definitely happy and humbled. And um, we're going to cut to a quick musical break, and then we're going to bring on our amazing guest who we have here, uh, who is actually a panelist on uh, at the Ambition Panel, which is Create Your Life Series' first live event. He's a distinguished artist and businessman who's won some awards and who's done some amazing things and is doing amazing things for entrepreneurs who are bootstrapping and making waves. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back, and we have none other than esteemed guest and uh, Create Your Life series, Ambition Starts Five Sustained panelist, Mr. Todd Wanish. Todd, please say hello to the Create Your Life series family. Hey, everybody. Glad to be here. Kevin, thank you so much for the invite. And, uh, man, congratulations on all the success you're having. It's, it's fantastic to see. Man, Todd, thank you so much, man. Um, you know, to be honest with you, you are the first guest to uh, to be actually the first panelist to be on the show since the panel, man. So uh, once we had that first initial conversation um, at the coffee shop, I was like, dude, you have to be on my panel and you have to come <laughs> on my show, man. It was just so <laughs> amazing, dude. You called me on a good day, I think. <laughs> nah, dude, you're you're pretty phenomenal, man. Um, so I, I just got to ask you, you know what I mean, just for the, for the audience, um, for our listeners, how did you feel about the Ambition panel? And, you know, what were some of the takeaways that you got from it? Uh, I thought it was fantastic. It was, it was incredible to see the community uh, come out and support. And after talking to so many people that were there and finding out that there really is a demand for people who want to escape kind of the daily life and actually move into entrepreneurship and, mm -hmm. and start their own businesses or at least pr pursue their creative uh, passion um, so it was really interesting to see people come out and talk with them. And um, my biggest takeaway, honestly, was that there are a lot of good people out there that, that really struggle um, with, that have, they have that internal struggle with trying to decide whether they need to stay on their current path or change direction or follow their passion and kind of cut the cord to whatever they're doing now. It's a very difficult thing. So when I see people that come out and support, support uh, the, the ambition stuff, everything, um, it shows that there's demand out there for that, and it shows that there's passion out there for that. Okay. Um, now, you, you talked about cutting, you know, deciding when to pivot, I guess we could call it, right? Some people are like, oh, I should, keep, should I keep doing this? And so they're asking those questions to people who are experts like you. Yeah. And I remember one of the best quotes that you actually dropped at the, uh, at the panel was, you don't build stuff to sell, you sell stuff to build. Or something to that yeah, degree. Yeah, the, the, the quote that I like to use that I kind of burned into my brain is that uh, amateurs make something so that they can sell it. Mm -hmm. And pros sell something so that they can make it. Uh, and this is something that I learned. Uh, I was really lucky and fortunate enough to do an apprenticeship under Jeff Koons, who's the number one, he's like the most successful artist in the world since Andy Warhol. Right. Um, and this is something that I had come to on my own, mm -hmm. uh, learning through m tons of mistakes. Right. Uh, but when you see somebody at the highest level mm -hmm. uh do that you're like it solidifies it it's like okay it's not just me that sees it clearly you know if the you know someone who's that successful is doing this uh then it's something that you should follow and the reason you want to do that is because uh what ends up happening most often is that we come up with an idea and we fall in love with the idea so much that we get blinded to the fact that other people haven't bought into it yet 
Right. We just we just instinctively know that there's somebody out there that's going to love my thing, and if I just do my thing and put my thing out there, that somebody is going to buy it. I just know it because I need it so bad. That means the rest of the world needs it bad, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's not often the case. Uh, so we we tend to then ask some people. Maybe we ask friends. Maybe we ask family. Maybe we even do a little bit of customer development and actually ask random people, hey, would you buy this thing? And we just get a confirmation bias. You know, people, people don't want to hurt your feelings. They want to support you. Or mm-hmm. people don't know what they want, so they think they might want that. So mm-hmm. everybody says yes, and then you put all your hard-earned money into it. You put months and months, if not years, of your time into it. You launch it to the world, and then nobody buys it. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, what the heck happened? Like, why isn't anybody purchasing this? Right. Right? So what would you say are some of the keys or some of the ways that you can make sure that I would call that building in a tunnel to an extent, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or you, you're, you're building and you're working on something, but you're doing it in a tunnel with tunnel vision and you're not aware of what's going on outside. What are some of the ways to avoid that? So there's a few different ways to avoid that. The, the first is um, don't Bo- listen. Yeah, go for it. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, not not working in a tunnel is building in a vacuum. I'm sorry. Oh sure, building in a vacuum, working in the same thing. It's tunnel vision, right? right? Um, you need to at first. It's okay to put your ideas out there, but you need to put them out there in ways that are lightweight. You know, you this is why you see a lot of people put blog posts out there, mm-hmm. right? The smart the smart marketers out there are actually testing ideas. You know, and we have data now, so it's like you can you can put an idea out there, you can put a podcast out there, you can put a blog post out there, you can start to build an audience for what it is that you think you want to do, and the the main goal that you have to have is that you have to eliminate the idea. Ideas are the worst things; they're tyrannical, and we're cursed with being told by everybody that all you need is a good idea, and that is why ninety percent of all businesses fail. Because it's really not about you. It's mm-hmm. not about what you want. Right. You can, you, can, you can come up with an idea and plant the seed out, out there in the universe. And you can even build a huge audience. But it's not up to you to decide what those people want. It's up to them. So mm-hmm. you got to listen to what, once you build that audience, you have to be able to listen and put your own ego aside and say, what do these people want? Mm-hmm. You know, I can attract tons of people, but I have no control over what it is that those people actually want. So you need to put that aside and then really do some research with the people that you attract and then talk to them, whether one on one or in groups or through email or however you want to keep communication through social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once you have built that rapport, you can actually then say, OK, well, guys, what do you think about this idea? You okay. know, and some people will say yes. And then it becomes a matter of scale. So, Ty, what, what has been one of your successful examples of basically getting people to buy in before actually going out and building the product? So uh, a recent one would be a project that uh, my wife and I, my wife is my co-founder, uh, Melissa. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk about that. Yeah, we're going to talk that, about man. that, I'm sure. It's, <laughs> I know everyone's like, you, you're married to your co-founder? Yeah, man. Ooh, you know, they expect all these juicy stories. Um, but uh, but uh, so she, what she is, is she's a, a CTO, she's a developer, and she's mm-hmm. phenomenal. And uh, she, we ended up having a problem back in the day when she was learning how to code, and I, I had learned how to code, and that was that there was a big gap between learning how to code and getting that first job, Yeah. right? Uh, so we knew we had that problem, but we didn't know if other people had it. And so we had learned through multiple, I had learned through multiple, multiple, multiple mistakes that yeah. we're not just building this thing. We got we to gotta find out if it really people want it. So we built an audience for it. Um, over the course of like really slow, honestly, really passive over the course of like a year or two, uh, because we didn't, you know, you get burned so many times. You're just like, you know, 
even though we've had it work for clients, we've had it work for other people, and we've tested this a thousand times, yeah. you, you know, you're always a little gun shy when it comes to yourself. So mm -hmm. just take it easy, take it slow. Uh, and sure enough, we launched it. Uh, we launched a course based on what she was working on early last year, and it was a success. And it was a success because she had nurtured her group and she had listened to her group. And then instead of just going out and building something, uh, we tested it. We, we segmented off a, a small portion of her list, only like 50 or 100 people, like mm -hmm. really small, cut them out, you know, and just sent them a personal email, said, hey, really appreciate you being, you know, part of the community. Um, we're thinking about launching something new. Would you check this out? And we just directed them to a Google Doc. And the Google Doc was just a couple of paragraphs, which was basically a sales page. Right, sales page. You know? And so we said, we said all we ask is two things. Step one, read it. And step two, fill out this re really quick survey. Mm -hmm. And so a percentage of those people, not all of them, of course, but a right. percentage of those people went, they read the Google Doc, mm -hmm. you know, they read the sales form that, that we had written, uh, and then they filled the survey out. And the very first question, this is something that people don't do, and I don't understand why they don't do it. You know, there's a million questions you could ask, right? Oh, Absolutely. What else, what else would you like if there was one thing that you could, if I could add, mm -hmm. you know, what would it be? Uh, what did you not like? What do you wish I had? Man, my first question was, will you buy this? Right. And you know what? Like, a few people said yes. Okay. So I sent them an invoice. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. That, exactly. That night. That night. Okay. Books. <laughs> nice. Okay, so you sent them the uh, you We sent, sent them, them an invoice. invoice, and they paid for it. And right? is that what funded the actual program? You guys going yeah. ahead and putting it in motion? They, it was enough validation. Mm -hmm. Cash is validation. Right. Yeses are not validation. Money in your pocket is validation. And, I like and it's also pressure, right? Uh, entrepreneurs, everybody out there that's an entrepreneur, you know this. Uh, we all work the best when our back is against the wall. If mm -hmm. we had zero sales, if everyone had said, no, we're not going to buy this, we wouldn't have done it. We would have tried something else. We would have split off another 100 people or so from her email list, uh, and we would have said, well, we're thinking about this, and we would have come up with a completely different sales page so that we just keep going down the list until we find something that sells once you build an audience, right? Mm -hmm. um, but once people pay, and it wasn't a lot of people. I think it was like three or four people. Like, you know, it was a couple grand. Um, but they had paid money. So now we, because we're honest and we're entrepreneurs, we were, we were obligated to do this. We're like, oh, man, like, people paid us for this. We need to deliver this. And we were honest. We were mm -hmm. up front. We were like, this isn't made yet. This is right. a pre-sale. You know, gotcha. you got to be up front. You don't want to lie. You don't want to say, well, oh, this is already made and we're launching tomorrow. Like, we were very honest about it and just said, well, this is a pre-sale, but if you get it now, you're going to get it at a crazy discount. And we're going to talk to you people directly. You guys will be in on the inner circle of it, and we'll actually solve your problems while we build the course. So this course will be tailored to you specifically, right, one-on-one. -on -one. So that's not something you really get uh, if you ever see courses or any other digital product on there. Usually if you're working with a team or working with a founder or working with the person who created it, that's ten thousands and thousands of dollars because mm. you, your time is only so limited. Right. Right. So it was an opportunity for us to say, no, this is a huge deal. We can give you guys mentorship in return. We want your feedback. We want your insight. We want you to your testimonials. We want you to be really involved with the course. Wow. And then we did that. Once we got the yes on that, we went ahead. Uh, uh, we had two options. We could have just stuck with those few people and just built it specifically for them, mm -hmm. uh, or we could have launched it to the rest of the list. And what we did is we decided to launch it to the rest of the list. Uh, okay. So we went ahead and did a bunch of pre-sales, got, got enough to, to, to make us do it. How many people would you say that you guys uh, were able to pre-sale to after those initial three? Um, it wasn't, you know, that's the thing. You, people tend to think you need a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, we had, our, I believe, our first sale, we had about like a total of maybe... 15 people mm -hmm. 
Um, but this was like a thousand dollar course. Right. And we gave them a couple of discounts here and there. And we were trying a bunch of different things with urgency and scarcity. Right. Uh, uh, so there were different important. price points, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to say like who came in at once, mm-hmm. what level. Um, but it made us five figures in ten days. Wow. And we were like, okay, now we got to. Now I guess we're obligated to do this. Right. Right. <laughs> Well, you can't be mad at that, man, and that's uh, that's a immediate. Honey, honey, I know we were supposed to take a vacation, but can we work while we're on 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 tour? On vacation? <laughs> yeah, uh, man. So that's a, a whole other beast right there. You know, oftentimes I hear people talk about you know relationship balance, but dude, you are literally your wife is your co-founder. So yeah. how do you guys uh, decipher between or, or you know put that hard stop on when you guys are talking about business, and then when it's just your time, and you know yeah. how do you guys do that? Um. You know, we did it. It 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 began very organically and very naturally. We didn't make an actual decision that said, "Okay, we're going to be business partners." It just sort of flowed that way. Um, over time, we have specific rules. So there's no. We have a, a an internal rule that says no business before breakfast. Because every time we wake up and something's on our mind, it doesn't matter who it is. If I say something or she says something, uh, you know, without coffee, without coffee, like you know, it's over. <laughs> you know, we, we start we start getting on each other's nerves real quick. Oh wow, okay. So uh, that being said, how long were how long have you both been business partners? Because you guys have been together for how long? Oh man, now that's the, you're gonna get me in trouble. Oh, I don't remember this. Okay, well, uh, change the subject. So, uh, how long? Have our you first been date. Our first date. My my wife made it easy for me. Our first date was eight, nine, ten. Okay. And then we got married nine, ten, eleven. Wow. See, I like her. She's smart. You should have brought her with you, man. <laughs> so, um, what was it six, seven, eight? Uh oh. Oh man. Uh oh. See, she even put it in my ring. Oh, see, that's put smart. Me on the spot, man. I don't know. I'll look at that later. <laughs> Dude, you are funny. <laughs> so, you know she's gonna kill me, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, you know when that's about when we love. Talked... It's not about you know, you know, Kevin. When you're in love, uh-huh. as much as I'm in love yeah. with my beautiful amazing wife wife yes the, the days just don't matter yeah. it's just every day is amazing and it's, mm-hmm. it's like you've been with her your whole life right i'm just staring off into the sunset right now the right yeah, exactly the birds, the birds the birds oh the notebooks <laughs> oh my god dude you are so crazy <laughs> so like how long was were you guys together before you decided that okay you know what we can actually have a personal relationship and a work relationship together uh Again, it happened really quick, and it happened mm-hmm. really naturally. I mean, okay. honestly, so obviously when we were first dating, she had her own job, and I had my thing, and I was I was doing animation and toys and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I just needed somebody. I needed help, and she was beautiful, and she was my girlfriend at the time, so I said, well, you want to help me? And mm-hmm. honestly, it just started like that, and this was before tech and startups and everything like that, So so... I was in charge of the business side of things and, and the creative side, getting all that stuff done, and she was helping with, with just organizi- organizing and scheduling and all all the stuff that I am horrible at. Okay. Uh, and and you know honestly, man, it, that was something, on a, on a personal note, that was something that I I had personally always looked for, because you know being an entrepreneur or doing your own thing, uh, it takes someone really special to understand that, you know, and it's very hard to find. Because there's a lot of people that say they can do, oh, he's an entrepreneur, she's an entrepreneur, you know, I, I totally support him or her. But when it comes down to the brass tacks, when you don't have rent money, when you literally have $3 in the bank account, and, and 
your spouse or, or significant other is not saying, go get a damn job, right? Yeah. Um, that's, that's when you know who that person is. That's when you know that person is going to stand by you. Because she could have easily said, go get a job. Right. And she didn't. Instead, she said, I support you. Let's just get through this and let's go. Mm. Wow. Now, did you see that in her from the beginning? That she would support you no matter what? Or, like, how how is that? I mean, in the beginning when you're when you're dating someone, not completely. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, you're dating someone. So right. it really is about, it's about similar interests and love and, you know, trying to find if you guys are actually, like... Compatible? Compatible. It's compa- compatibility. Yeah. Uh, but once she was in the studio, um, I did whatever I could think of not to not to test because that that makes it sound like it was a planned thing, right? Um, but just to see if she would put up with the way my life was, mm-hmm. you know, and and inviting her into that roller coaster is very difficult. Mm. You know, you get the you get the highs of a, a great job or a good sale or, or something, uh, and then you get those crazy lows. So it takes a very special person to to do that to and, to, and to be with you. you when when you go through that. So. Uh, we just rolled with it together, and I saw how she responded to the highs and how she responded to the lows. Mm-hmm. And likewise, she did the same with me. She saw how I responded to the highs and how mm-hmm. I responded to the lows. Yeah. And we both remained stable, both emotionally and mentally and, and physically and everything else. We didn't break. Mm-hmm. So that, that made it stronger. And then as time went on and we moved into technology we both made the at that time we were by that time we were partners even before we were married we were partners and the funny part about that is you're a trained fine artist and your wife is a voiceover actress and actress correct that's that's true and now you guys both live location independent if you choose to Uh uh-huh and literally can work from wherever you want launching and running these uh tech companies and doing mentorship and absolutely all of these things yeah it's amazing it's it it, (laughs) you know you tell people People say, well, what do you do? And it's like, man, that's like a 30-minute conversation. <laughs> Dude, hey, and I will <laughs> tell so you this. Many, there's so many twists and turns, and it's organic. But if you just talk about it, it's mm-hmm. people just are like, how? What? How, how? Who are you? Like, what did this do? Like, you know, to go from animation to toys to comics to to Marvel to, you know, fine art in and, and the Whitney Museum and working with the best people and then startups? Like, how's that work? Yeah, dude. I mean, you just named like seven, eight <laughs> things right there. And you're uh, you're originally from? I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida. Exactly. And then you went to college in? Atlanta, Georgia. Exactly. Which school? Atlanta College of Art. Exactly. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm like just probing you for questions right now, like setting you up, because I went to Clark, Atlanta, so we yeah. have this like Atlanta yeah. connection. Um, so, dude. We, we're going to come back after a, a commercial break, a quick musical break, and I want to talk more about you getting to the point that you're at now. Sure. You know, because I know there were some days that you've told me about, you know, where you're asleep. You, what, did you say that you took a shower every three weeks or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, I want to know how that, how that worked out, you know, and how it is that you pivoted, because earlier in the conversation you talked about um, people coming up to you at the Ambition event and saying, you know, should I pivot, should I this, should I that? So we definitely want to understand more about why you decided to to pivot and how you even got your understanding of that life is about more than just being an artist. you got to know the business. Sure, absolutely. 
Okay. Well, beautiful people, if you have a question for Todd, please call in 212-650-6903. We're going to cut to a quick musical break, and we will be back. Hi, I'm Diane. I have a daughter, Nikki, and she's a senior at high school. She just got accepted for early decision into college. Prior to taking Kevin's program, we were pretty overwhelmed because her college debt after her merit scholarships looks like it's going to be about $150,000 in four years. Feeling pretty overwhelmed about that $150,000 potential debt, I decided to enroll in Kevin's debt-free college academy full course program and I have to say the value for the money uh, for what we got out of the program was absolutely amazing. Kevin takes you step by step with many many different tips and many different strategies for not only the student but for us as parents for our student things that we can do to really help save money and prepare. If you or your child are looking to save money on college costs, sign up for Debt Free College Academy today at DebtFreeCollegeAcademy.com using coupon code FREECOLLEGE. Beautiful people, this is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and we are back. We are back with Todd Wanish, who is an amazing artist and entrepreneur, uh, founder of Arting and so many other uh, ventures. Todd, before we left, you were actually telling us about your training um, as an artist, you said that you went to Atlanta College of Art and Design. I did. And uh, tell us, how did you make it even up here from New York? You're originally from Jacksonville, Florida. That's right. Then you went to Atlanta mm-hmm. and now in New York. Tell us about that journey, you know, getting your uh, degree. Yeah, so uh, raised in Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, the art bug bit me pretty hard. I was a comics nerd and still am. Hardcore, okay. hardcore comics nerd. Best medium on, on earth. Okay. I could talk hours about that. But um, I knew that if I really wanted to pursue what it was that I wanted to do, which was to, to really make it and to make it a part of my life, a permanent part of my life and not just a weekend thing. Make art a permanent make part. Make art of, a part right. of my life. Mm-hmm. That I was going to have to make moves and I was ha- going to have to leave that hometown and do everything I could to, to get up north because New York City is the, is the epicenter of art right. in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and ended up landing in Atlanta. It was, uh, uh, you know, the, my, my mother was a single parent and single income, so we didn't have a lot of money. Right. So Atlanta was about as far north as I could get. Yeah, at uh, the time. And, it, and, you know, it was okay. It was like a big city, mm-hmm. so it had that really good urban big city feel, and it was far enough, like, no family could get to me. <laughs> right? you, you just said that your first apartment was in the underground, but back when the underground was a little well, more no, dangerous. Well, that no, was, that was later. My first apartment was in something called the U-Haul lofts off of, I think it was like North 10th Street. Oh, yes, yeah, so it was a raw warehouse. Raw. <laughs> they just would rent out space. They ended up demoing that, and I think it's like now a shopping area or some luxury apartment thing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> it's Dude, living hard, journey, man. man. Living hard. Living and making your own rooms, making your own beds out of wood. Hey, man. I feel like, you know, everybody has that story where, yeah. you know what I mean? You've done some stuff that was just unconventional, but you're just like, you know what? I'm sticking to the script. You I have am going to. to make this happen. You have to. Uh, no one else is going to do it for you. Yeah. You know, you, you, if you don't pay your dues somehow, then, then you're not really going to, I don't believe you're going to make it that far. You got to have some hardship. Everybody has pain. Everybody yeah. suffers in their own unique way. Everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, we tend not to be able to see it because we think money hides things. Mm. But everybody suffers. So if you're going to suffer throughout your life, if you're going to go through that pain of being who you are, you might as well get the reward for it. Right. And get the reward that is uh, self-fulfilling. 100%. 
Wow. You know? Okay, so you, you go to the A, you attend ACA, uh-huh. and then you come up to NY. What is New York treating you like? How does that look? How did you get here? What brought you here? Like, what? <laughs> well, <laughs> so I first got to New York in 97. Okay. Uh, and uh, when I got up here, I was homeless. Okay. So oh, you 20-year mark now, man. Yeah. Well, no, not, it wasn't straight. I ended up going back to Atlanta, staying okay. there for a few years. That's when I did all the Cartoon Network stuff. Okay. Right, um, right, right. Right, because I, gar- I graduated in 98. So this okay. was like my junior year. I came up to New York in 97. Mm-hmm. Um, it was supposed to be a quote-unquote semester, uh, but I had problems in Atlanta. I had gotten – one of the things that had attracted me to that school was they had an opportunity. It's like, well, your junior year, you can actually go to another – another school you yeah. can go to another college Transient. and pay yeah and pay the the tuition of your home school mm-hmm. so i was like well that that's it i can get to new york that way mm-hmm. i was hardcore just got to get to new york city um when it came to be my time when it came to be my junior year uh, i had a bunch of teachers and professors who i thought were my friends and thought were my supporters uh went behind my back and told the dean that i wasn't qualified that i shouldn't wow. go and i had the grades for it i had the attendance for it there was no other reason other than jealousy they just, they didn't think it was an opportunity. There was no reason for them to say no. Um, so I, I marched into that dean's office and I just gave an ultimatum. I said, well, I'm going either way. I said, you have two options. Uh, you can let me go and I will come back to the school and I will give you more money. I will finish paying my tuition to the school mm-hmm. and everything is good. We're all groovy. Or I can leave and just take that money mm-hmm. and spend it in the city and I will call every single newspaper and creative loafing and everything else and let them know that you stopped me or you tried to. Or you tried to. You I tried like to. that. See, and, that goes, and, and she, yeah. the dean at the time, I'm, I'm not going to mention any names here, uh-huh. but the dean at the time, she, how dare you threaten me? How, I have outrage. I, I, blah, blah. Man, you, don't you know she let me go? Yeah, man. <laughs> hey. A lot of bluster, but I got up there. And, uh, so it didn't matter. So I got up. I, I got up here, but I had no money. I knew nobody. I was homeless, mm-hmm. uh, and I mean homeless. So I, I went off of Fifth Avenue and found. Um, you know, they gave you basically the program gave you a little bit of art space. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a. Uh, it was, five feet wide by ten feet deep. I could, touch both sides of the walls, and it was just you know it wasn't to the ceiling. It was like a half wall because it, it was just a studio. It was yeah. like a little small studio space. And so I couldn't let anybody know that I didn't have any money and that I didn't have a place to live. So I went off of Fifth Avenue and I found a bunch of um, cushions that were, you know, people throw out really nice things. And so there were cushions from a couch and I dragged that back and I built a little desk uh, to hide all my, uh, hide my suitcase and all my stuff. And uh, I would just wake up. I had a little alarm clock that I brought from Atlanta and I just would set it, and it would go off at like 6 a.m., so I made sure to tidy up the place and make it and hide everything, make it look like I had just gotten in early. And uh, that was the thing. And it didn't have a shower. It had a bathroom, but no shower. So um, I was just working, 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 working. And every few weeks, like every, th- yeah, it was about every three weeks, I'd go down to the, what used to be the Carmine Recreation Center in Lower East Side uh, and, and, you know, talk to the talk to the wonderful people there and, and take a shower and, and stare at the Keith Herring mural that they got, that they still have there. Mm. And um, it just kept me focused, you know? Wow. Dude, that's an amazing story. So once you did this, you did the, the internship or the transient student uh, program. What happened next? I went back to Atlanta and mm-hmm. graduated. I kept my word. I said she let me go. So I right. stayed at the school and, and finished. And after that, I was... To be quite honest, my original path was was comic art. 
Yeah. Hardcore. And right when I graduated was about when the market tanked in comics. Mm-hmm. Um, a, lot of the, a lot of the main guys had left. They'd started their own company. I mean, it was a huge boom time and then a drop. Um, and so all of a sudden, something that I had put my 10,000 hours into uh, was no longer viable in terms of, you know, being able to pay rent. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wasn't trying to, you know, you don't go, you don't say I want to be a comic artist and, and think you're going to make money out of it. Uh, but you did, you know, I got to eat. A little selfish in that I need to eat food. Right. So uh, fortunately, I had a, a roommate at the time who had just come back. That we were all looking for work at that point. We had it was a bunch of us, like seven of us, and um, a friend of mine, uh, Andre, had just come back and he had s- tried it in with a bunch of animated cells. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like um, Sylvester and Tweety Bird and all this kind of stuff. And I was yeah. like, dude, what is that? It's like, man, I got myself a job. What? Job doing what? What? What for? For what? What is this? Well, at the time, it was, it was Cartoon Network. And right. Cartoon Network, that was right when Cartoon Network started, started launching. 98 right. was basically when they started. I remember watching Cartoon Network yeah. when I was a kid, man. It's, it's so much good stuff. So I hustled. And, and uh, it, took me, it took a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, I went in uh, and talked to one of the producers there. And I, all I had was comic art samples. And they said, well, we're not hiring. I said, well, can you give me something? Just let me practice. And so they gave me a test packet that they had at the time. Mm-hmm. And I went home. And uh, in, a <laughs> in a true kind of fake it till you make it, um, I couldn't get the, they, it was an ink test, and I couldn't get the lines to work correctly. Mm-hmm. So I, they had given me samples of, like, what it should look like. Mm-hmm. So I basically traced that and then made it look better than that. Just, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I could see where the, the mistakes were. So I brought it back the next morning, and they said, man, we've never had anybody do that and turn it back in the 24 hours. I said, well, I, I need this job because I really needed a, a job. Right, right. And uh, I said, well, we don't have anything. And then from that point on, I just called him every single day. Yes, that is the, the key to the path, man, when I wanted to... Uh, I just wore him out. Yeah. I wore him out. And, and honestly, man, it, was, it took about a month and a half, mm-hmm. and it went from, uh, hey, this is Todd. Do you have any work? What? No. Okay, cool. When can I call back? I don't know. Next Wednesday? Awesome. I'll talk to you next Wednesday. Called him back next Wednesday. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Oh, hey, who is this? My name is Todd. Is there any work? No, sorry. And I just did it. When can I call back? Next Wednesday. Great. I just kept doing that, doing that, doing that, doing that. And over the course of time, you know, it, it really became, hey, Jim, this is Todd. Oh, hi. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. oh, it's this guy again. And it really, it got to the point where I could hear him, like, take the phone away and, from, his, from his head and just be like, it's that Todd guy calling. Can we just give this dude some work? Because he's, like, bothering me. Is there anything we can give this guy? He's not stopping. Yeah. And that's how I got in, and then I just didn't leave for six years. Cool. So you've had the opportunity to work for Cartoon Network. You work for Jeff Koons. You work for Marvel. Um, you know, just to name a few of the places that you've had the opportunity to do uh, to work with. Um, where would you say that you uh, learned the most from? Which opportunity? And which one kind of gave you the free range to create and, you know, just fully grow? Well, the most opportunity has always been my own thing. Anytime I launch a product, anytime I launch mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. because it's an opportunity to grow. Okay. I, can't, I can't know the future. I can't decide. I can't say whether something's going to succeed or fail. Mm-hmm. And it always has to succeed or fail on its own merits. Mm-hmm. You, know, I can, you can only push so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that in itself is the most educational thing. That, I love learning, and I love learning from my mistakes. And over the course of time, you can track your mistakes, and you can track your successes. And it just got to the point after years of doing it that you just eliminate all the stuff you did wrong and you remember all the things you did right. And you mm-hmm. say, well, maybe if I do all the things 
that I know have worked in the past, if I put that together on this next project, mm -hmm. maybe that'll work. And a lot of times it does. What were some of the most important things that you learned while working for Marvel or Jeff Koons? So I would say one of the most important things, um, I'll give you a couple. And mm -hmm. the, it was really, the first is actually from my, my first mentor, who was a, a, an R&B music producer uh, who did a lot of stuff for Jennifer Lopez. And, and he was uh, incredibly helpful. If without him, I don't know where I would be. Okay. Uh, he was the one that broke me out of the art mode because I was, I was under the impression for most of my life that if I just did the work and I was the best craftsman, if I was the best artist, that that's what people wanted, mm -hmm. right? And I got really good at that, but I had zero business knowledge. So mm -hmm. he came in and kind of basically took me out of that, uh, away from the desk and started having me call people and talk to people. Because at that point, I had, a, I had a cartoon image of what business people were. Yeah. You know, I thought it was like, you know, men in black, suits and ties, you know, you know, uh, pork bellies and gold, buy, sell. You know, I had no <laughs> clue. It was so, it never occurred to me that business people were just people like me who just were trying to do things. Like, as basic as that is, I just had never been exposed to it. I was surrounded mm -hmm. by artists. So the first thing that he taught me was whenever you're trying to do something on your own, um, you don't join the party, you be the party. Mm. Okay. Right. You need to be the center. You need to put the spotlight on yourself. And when you do that, you can then see who is attracted to that. Mm. And how do you how do you do that? How does one make themselves the center of the party? Oh, there's a million ways, especially now. Give us two. Especially us now. Three. Now, honestly, um, well, things like this, talking to people, putting your work out there, mm -hmm. generating that audience, going on social media and actually putting not just random things up, not pictures of food, unless you're going to be, you know, unless you want to be a restaurateur, like actually dedicating something to your craft and pushing it out there. The work has to pay for itself. Business for me is about taking my art, taking my craft and pushing it out. And to do that, I have to be good at business on some level. I want you to touch on something um, that I think people need to understand and you talked about, you know, putting yourself out there, putting your work. You went through a startup accelerator program. Mm -hmm. How important has that been for you uh, in the success that you and your wife have been able to amass as both artists turning business, uh, business entrepreneurs? Yeah, so my wife and I were, were incredibly fortunate to be part of a program called the Startup Leadership Program. Mm -hmm. And it's based here, well, it's based here in New York for the New York chapter, but it's right. global. It's all over the world. Mm -hmm. And for me specifically, it, it changed my life because okay. before that, mm -hmm. um, entrepreneurship and creativity is an incredibly lonely process. <laughs> yes, sir. It's basically you mm -hmm. doing whatever it is you do by yourself, usually at, the, at first, mm -hmm. with nobody else. Mm -hmm. uh, and honestly, when you make the attempt to bring other people in, a lot of times that can work against you because they might not understand what you're trying to do. They might want to support you but no, don't know how, or mm -hmm. they just don't support you at all and think you should just get back to real life. Right. Like, who are you? Mm -hmm. um, and so by being a part of this group, it allowed me to meet other people, really for the first time on a professional level, uh, that were in the same boat and were, were open about the problems they were having. And that's the other thing, is that whenever you're in a group or whenever you go to meetups, especially you know if you're going to a business meetup, you ask someone how they're doing and they say the same thing. 
business is awesome. We're crushing it. We're just right. doing great. People don't usually say, oh, man, my business is on fire. And uh, I think being able to be a part of that, being able to be in a room with people who, who say, how's business? Man, not so good. Really? Mine, me neither. Well, what's happening with you? Well, this. What's happening with you? Well, that. Being able to actually come into, a, into almost like a safe space for entrepreneurs and being able to share what it is that you're going through. Uh, and honestly, also being a part of a group that, where you know that somebody in that group has had the same problem you've had and to solve it. So it's just a matter of finding that person and getting, getting insight from them. You know? So I think that that's one of the most important things. Okay. Um, you're building and you're, you're doing some amazing things. Something that you recently launched is Clever Era. That's right. Um, which is a, an initiative because I think that, you know, having an opportunity to be so fortunate to be in a program like SLP, you're giving back. And, of course, you're also serving your customer. But Clever Era seems to be uh, helping bootstrapped entrepreneurs build businesses, even if they don't have the idea together, the capital or the technical ability. So right. tell us more about that and how we can actually um, be a part of it and, you know, yeah, absolutely. So the way this came about is that I've worked with a lot of technical entrepreneurs for the last year, year and a half, two years, mm -hmm. and helped them launch businesses and seen them get funding and seen them do be successful. And it just dawned on me and my wife, Melissa, that, that we really should bring this to people who are like us. We've got something that works. We've proved it multiple times. Um, but we really want to spread the word about it and, and help people who are bootstrapped, people who are independent or self-funded, help them change their lives mm -hmm. and get them past the biggest barriers, which is that they feel like they need to have an idea, which, as I explained earlier, you don't. Or you need to have money, which I also explained, you don't. You right. pre-sell it. Mm -hmm. uh, or that you need technical ability, which you don't. In fact, you're the business owner. Your job is to do the business. And right. if you have people pre-sell, pre if they pre-buy it, then you hire the team. Okay. So it's about showing people that mm -hmm. it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter who you are, mm -hmm. if you have that idea, as long as you have the willpower and the drive to do it, you, you can crush it. It just takes time, and you got to be patient with yourself. Okay. And you got to do the work. So it's Clever Era, C-L-E-V-E-R-E-R-A.com, and you put your, your name and email in there, and we're going we're gonna to get back to you. And this is something that we're, we're going to be launching really soon. Okay. And, um, you know, honestly, it's just... Essentially, what you have to remember is that whatever it is that you do, whatever it is that you want to be, you just got to remember that that people won't pay to get into heaven, but they'll pay, pay plenty to stay out of hell. <laughs> okay. So, Todd, uh, give us three things that you would tell somebody looking to create their best life. Three things. Mm -hmm. um, to create your best life, trust yourself. Okay. Focus on what it is that you do. Uh, realize that, and this is, I'll give you a big one. Uh, and and this, this sometimes gets me into trouble, but it, it's absolutely true, and it, it needs to be said. Okay. And that is that we are trained as people mm -hmm. uh, to live a certain type of life. Mm -hmm. Your parents teach it to you, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean they're mean. Mm -hmm. they just, everyone wants to be safe. Yeah. What, what do they say? Get, you go to school. Get a job. Get a job. Pay your bills. And then right. you, maybe you come home, you binge have on Netflix, a have a family, right. binge on Netflix, mm -hmm. get up the next day and, and do that. Mm -hmm. And as long as you do that, mm -hmm. you believe mm -hmm. that you have a certain degree of freedom. Right. We think that that's freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you try to do 
something else mm -hmm. that the world comes to be against you. Right. You realize everything that's against you. And, right. and what it comes down to is this, is that you, you only feel your shackles mm -hmm. when you try to move. Right. You can be that prisoner. You can be there stuck in that life. But it's up to you to realize that that's what it is. And also, I think that filling the shackles, you can either fill the shackles and, and stay put, or you could say that this is, taking action is the only way to break them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I like that, Todd. So, Todd, how, does, uh, how do our listeners, Create Your Life Series family, stay in contact with you, social media, email, if they have any questions, anything like that? I want everybody listening right now to just look at me for a minute. Just, <laughs> just look at me on the radio right yeah. now. Just mm -hmm. go to that website, cleverera.com, C-L-E-V-E-R-E-R-A.com. Mm -hmm. And put your name in and put your email in. And do it now. I'm telling you. I know everybody out there is like, oh, I'll do it later. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the car. Well, pull over. Just put your email in there. Right. Because you got to take action. You have to start taking action. And you might as well do it today. And honestly, that's literally the minimum you can do is just by putting your email somewhere. Okay. Start it. Get it started. Do well, it today. Ladies and gentlemen, you heard it from Todd Wanish here himself. He said, get started today. Take action. CleverEra.com. Todd, thank you so much for being on the Create Your Life series, brother. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. Oh, no, I we really got to get you back. It. We definitely got to get you back here. So, beautiful people, uh, it's been an amazing Sunday. I'm going to cut to a quick musical break, and we will see you back next week. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on CreateYourLifeSeries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL Series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed, and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. 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 Create your life.